Greetings, Spokane. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is Art Hour, and I'm one of your hosts, Mike Malsom, and we have... Eric Woodard, I'm your other host, and I wanted to wish you all a happy day before the summer solstice. I know that seems like something that I shouldn't mention because that's the longest day of the year tomorrow, meaning that after tomorrow... I know. The days get shorter. But that's okay. That's okay. But not before. Uh, we have the big event this week. Um, uh, for It's called Bazaar. And that got us thinking about our next guest, which we're pleased to have, and that's Chris Bovey. Welcome, Chris. Howdy. Thanks for coming in, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Bazaar, what, do you know the history of Bazaar, Mike? Do you know the history of Bazaar, Chris? I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't even. I, it's it's I, pretty new, isn't it? It's fairly new, and I, I know that uh, my wife and I volunteered for the first Bazaar, and it was held in front of the um, City, City Hall. Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we would um, help set it up and tear it down and that kind of stuff. That's the first time uh, that I knew about Bazaar. But because uh, we also been, you know, volunteering for Terrain since they started, um, you know, way back when. So that was just kind of an offshoot of what uh, the organization Terrain has been doing for 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 a decade now, over a decade. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's another opportunity for our local artists to display their wares and give Spokane, especially when we can do it right down in the heart of downtown Spokane. So we get a lot of tourists as well as some local people to be exposed to some of the great art mm. that we're having here. Yeah, so. well, and then you're going to be there. So tell people what they will see, how they would find you when they get down to Bazaar. What are they going to see when they get there? Well, this year, I think they're going to shut off like two full blocks of Main Street. Is it the same place they did it last year? You know, no. they seem to like switch it up every year, but it's always in the heart of downtown. Okay. Um, which is really... Uh, awesome especially uh like you were saying like as far as like these tiny little vendors like get downtown retail space for one day you know that's pretty amazing but um so right in front of the mall i think they're shutting that down and then uh for two blocks um and so you'll see a big orange truck with all my stuff on it, with all my prints and stuff like that. So. so this big orange truck this is you modified this thing bought it and modified it is that what you did yeah so what is it? Tell us what it looks like. What it's, is it? Uh, okay, like a food truck. Think of a food truck. Um, it's like cream on the top and bright orange, like kind of a burnt orange on the bottom. Um, when I bought this thing, it was uh, all the way over in Coeur d'Alene. This guy was getting rid of it, and he's like, man, uh, I really don't. Uh, how are you going to get it home? I was like, well, we're going to drive it. My dad and I, uh, we're going to drive it home. He's like, I really don't know. It's like the <laughs> the brakes are really, really iffy. And I was like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And uh, my dad and I drove this thing <laughs> all the way the back roads home from Coeur d'Alene over to here and like white knuckling it the entire time. And the steering was shot on this thing and, <laughs> and the brakes were bad. And yeah. So, and I really didn't know uh, what was going to come of this thing, but. Uh, is slowly turned into a, a storage warehouse on wheels, basically. So, because um, my prints and everything were kind of taken over the whole house, and so everything just kind of 
morphed into the truck and went out into the truck. Yeah. So how many separate prints do you have now that are for sale? I mean, there's a lot. Do you even know the actual number? No, not really. What? what <laughs> so, so ballpark, how many? I, you know, uh, I, I estimate probably like 300, 350, 400, something like that. Wow. wow. Uh, but I don't actually have them currently on hand. I mean, like. I phase things out, you know, it's like, it's just, uh, just part of the process, you know, it's like, so currently on hand, I probably have, you know, a hundred different prints, hundred different designs. So. And when you're out, you're out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless I get enough demand and people are like, Oh man, where's that? And then people keep coming up to me and like, Oh, I want that. And so I'll, I'll reprint it and mix up the colors and change yeah. it up. And what are some of the ones that have been most popular? The people, ones that sell out most quickly or that people ask for the most? Um, it's, you know, it's usually the typical stuff like clock tower and carousel and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, as we were chatting just before, I was amazed that you said you've only been doing this for like six years. Yeah. And you're already talking about, you know, hundreds of prints. So I wonder if you could just give us a, like a, a brief rundown of like what you did prior to that and then what got you started into making these prints. Yeah. There wasn't a point in my life where I was like, man, I really want to be a printmaker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like I'm going to grow up and be a printmaker. Um, it, it was extremely organic, and it just uh, happened to come about. But um, So I was working full-time at the Inlander uh, as the art director. And uh, so I was there about 10 years. And um, I had this meeting with a local tourism company here in Spokane. And I had this idea, and I, I came up with the name uh, micro tourism or uh, yeah something along those lines, and it would promote certain parts of Spokane, and it would drive um, people to that area if they've never been to it. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. like if I'm a Northside guy, oh, right. maybe I'll like go check out Indian Canyon or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And they could use these um, externally as well, like promoting Portland or Seattle or anything like that. So I had this idea and I pitched it to them and they just laughed at me and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, okay, I'm just gonna go home. I have all the equipment. I already had it, like a failed T-shirt business. You know, it's like <laughs> I had uh, this set up in my laundry room and I uh, printed 13 Mount Spokane posters, and because uh, I had this design that I pitched him, and my wife came home and it's taking up the laundry room now. And she's like, what are you doing with these things? What are you going to do? And and I was like, I really don't know. (laughs) It's like I'm trying to prove it to myself that I can do this. So so I took these posters uh, down to Atticus because I had a mutual friend who knew the owner and knew Andy. And he's like, yeah. And I pitched him the whole project. He's like, I love it. Fantastic. Yep. Sold. He's like, I'll buy anything you ever bring me. It's like, and so it just uh, happened (laughs) Uh, over a period of time, I just kept printing. I would work a full day at the Inlander and then come home and eat dinner and then just start printing, you know. I stopped watching TV, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I got off the couch and actually started doing something, you know, and and just started printing. Now, is this kind of like your um, van that you nursed all the way here to Spokane? Your first, like, printing... Uh, uh, machinery and all the stuff that goes into making those prints. Did you um, go and buy them secondhand? How did you get started? How did you get your laundry room started? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the laundry room hasn't like 
uh, evolved too much from the Genesis from the beginning. Um, there's a drying rack in there now, but um, slowly as as time progresses, you know, you see what you need, and but everything is just very closed in, and you can shut out the world. You know what I'm saying, and just kind of get in the zone and and just print. So, um, but it got to a point at the Inlander where I was like, this was taking off and, uh, there was so much demand and I started and I did Bizarre. That was, that was my first show, the very first Bizarre. And, uh, I really didn't know what to expect and I think we sold out. Oh man. And, (laughs) uh, and I was like, wow, there's a, there's a demand for this. There's a market for this. And so I just keep coming up with designs. I would go home and print and keep coming up with designs and, and it got to a point where like you stop printing or you quit the inlander you know so and i thought you only get one shot at it a job's a job so decide to take a leap of faith how long ago did you do that um 4 years wow it's been 4 years yeah. that you've yeah. been making a yeah. making a living at this yep. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I wonder where you found the time to make all those cool designs because you just, I just, every time I look, there's something new, right? Yeah. So uh, wh- how do you decide what to what to do next? I mean, because I, I mean, at some point you're going to run out of stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I keep I keep telling myself that too. That's funny. Um, where my ideas come from, a lot of it is just from my head, you know, and stuff that I don't see anymore, um, places that don't exist anymore. But most of it is, like, uh, feedback that I get at the shows. And people will say, like, oh, you should really do this place. You should really do this place. And if I get enough uh, demand for those places, then uh, I'll go ahead and start researching that and printing it and things like that. How long does it take you to go from an idea to at least the design? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it could be 30 minutes to a month. Oh, that's um, crazy. It's because it's kind of hard to explain, but you have to be able to capture a memory on paper um, that is universal enough. You know what I'm saying? It's not just for you. Um, if it was for you, that'd be super easy, but... Um, you have to be able to capture that memory that people resonate with it enough and they look at it and say, yeah, I connect with that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of going back to the drawing board, a lot of like starting over and, and figuring out, fine-tuning and things like that. So. Now, I have a weird question for you. This is just kind of completely peripheral and then we'll get back to the other stuff. Has anybody ever asked you to do a Sam's Pit design? Yeah, I'm working on that. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. <laughs> See, oh. stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I, I have no exposure to Sam's Pit, but I get enough people saying, yeah, Sam's Pit, Sam's Pit. So. Right, oh, wow. right. That's, that's a very iconic place and I didn't know much about it until, um, uh, Jess, well, have you read... Um, I think it was Financialized of the Poets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And th- that restaurant that they were at, mm-hmm. that they kept talking about, was, was Sam's, Sam's Pit. Pit. So yeah. it's just one of those things that for people our age, I mean, you're younger than I am, but for people our age, I didn't know about this, but I keep hearing about it on yep. the wind in Spokane. So you're working on Sam's Pit now. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. that's really cool. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, in some ways, now I don't want to oversell this, but it's almost like you're a little bit of a historian on this part. I mean, once you get into stuff like that. Right. Well, I that's kind of uh, that's kind of the angle I I look at as well. And it's like a lot of these places are dead and dying, and like the shack, for example. And it's like mm-hmm. uh, that still lives on. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and we still get to preserve a piece of Spokane history. You know, and make right. it 
for everybody. Well, and people who know it look at that and go, oh, that's cool. And people who don't know it are then going to ask somebody. And so it is sort of preserving all those places that are going away. So I think that that's really cool. And once you start doing that, I mean, then then you I mean, I again, nobody ever runs out of ideas. But the idea is you're going to have to say, where am I going next? And that's really cool. You're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm thinking like. As well, like I, I keep thinking of like Seattle and Portland, and and one that keeps coming to my mind is uh, the Combine Derbies in Lind. You know what I'm talking about? Um, is it like a demolition derby with yes. combines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like those weird little, uh, <laughs> like I just did a Hanford print. You know, it's like, and that's been one of my most popular ones. You mm-hmm. know, Frednecks. Frednecks, I've heard of that one too. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I mean, just the name alone that you'll sell some <laughs> just for the name, you know. Uh, you can go out to Coraline, the, like the Iron Horse, and places uh, like Snake that. Snake Pit, I've heard. Snake Pit, yeah. uh, Kelly's. Is Kelly's, Kelly's, Kelly's doesn't yeah. even exist anymore, yeah. does no, it? No. Um, yeah, you never yeah, run out of ideas. Line, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> kind of getting back to you know, like Jess Walters' novel, and you get some of these iconic places. It's really about story too, and people like to be connected through stories or some other yeah. types of things. So in this case, it's like a place. You know, I think of Ben Joyce is also kind of has that theme in his work. Um, so in a way, it's a great way for people to, to either connect with their past or to bring other people in to learn about some, some history and things like that. I think that's, that's what's connecting. For sure. And, uh, and kind of piggybacking on that bringing it into their past as well it's like saying hey i used to work at the shack i you know uh, or you know we used to play the big dipper or something like that you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. well heck you could probably have a whole line of just the places that garage land used to be right <laughs> <laughs> no kidding That's yes. true. right oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. the b-side the seaside henry's yeah. right oh gosh it's just i mean that's i remember the b-side oh yeah, yeah. not that, that we always went there right no, Eric? No. <laughs> no no that's uh no that's great and um, looking at your designs it looks like there's i mean there's a coherence to them that i mean i don't want to say it's not like it's a brand or anything but how would you characterize the sort of the style of these because they they do seem to I mean, other than something like the Fox, where you're taking a clearly obvious design that's already there, but for something like Mount Spokane, there's no Mount Spokane logo. Right. You know, um, there's no logo for a lot of these places that you choose. So, how, what, what, what is, what is the inspiration of the sort of design template that you're using for all of these posters? Um, like if you go back to early commercial art, like 40s, 50s, 60s commercial art. Um, everything was extremely boiled down and as far as like simplicity goes of the artwork. And it's it was all commercial, you know, it was extremely commercial art. And um, that, it was just a short little chunk of time, but that's what I tend to resonate with and gravitate mm-hmm. towards. And it, uh, that stuff really speaks to me. And not saying like anything else is bad, I'm just... Uh, and and I wouldn't be like some like you were talking about the fox for example like um, even though it feels Art Deco um, it looks completely different and feels completely different from Dick's but I think it still has a cohesion that it's it, you're able to say oh okay that's still part of the same artist's work for example um, but I think it's to answer your question I think it's just uh, bold simplistic design you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like. Uh, 
not too intricate. Like when I first started, I really, really got detailed because I was transitioning out of this graphic design mentality of like cramming as much stuff in mm -hmm. uh, on the Inlander cover as possible. Information. Yeah, yeah, information, yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then as as it evolved, as I kept printing, I realized, man, um, you need to be able to recognize what it is from 10 feet away or, or across the room, you know what I'm saying? And so you have to be simpler and boil it down and bolder. And I think, um, for me, at least that's where I am in my current path is like trying to be as bold as possible, um, but not be garish, you know, it's like uh, just be able to uh, be simple but clean and elegant. Well, I imagine sense. you'd have to do that, too, because screen print, it's not like printing the Inlander, you're going to get that fine detail. But yeah. when you're printing on some pretty thick, good paper yeah. through that silk, I mean, you're not going to be able to get a lot of that fine detail. So some of it comes from just the process itself, I would That's imagine. it, exactly, yeah. And it tells me, uh, if you listen to it, it, tell, it talks to me and says, hey, we can't be able to hold that detail, especially if you're doing 100 prints, you know. Like, one that I was doing was Expo 74, and I had all this intricate detail of like, you know, the sky mover and butterflies and all this stuff. And I just, it turned into a blob, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Well, especially when you're doing multiple colors and yeah. you have to line up the screens exactly right. I imagine that that could get to be really messy. Yeah. Do you have some of these that are just kind of like songwriting where some of them just, the idea comes quick, the production of it comes quick it just seems to flow out of some sort of zone yeah and then others where man this is this is arduous <laughs> it's the exact same thing yes you you hit it right on the head and like i said like some will just all of a sudden and it's some of my best work like those quick 30 minute ones it because you can visually see it in your head and you know exactly where you're going but some especially if you don't have a personal connection with it um, like Sam's Pit, for example, you know what I'm saying? It's like I don't have a personal connection with it, so I have to uh, stew on it for a long time, and it just kind of uh, slowly comes out over time, you know? So I, you're ta we keep talking about Sam's Pit. Is there another kind of obscure one that you got in the percolator mm -hmm. that you're thinking of putting out there? Um, I just went to it the other day, actually. Uh, I'd never been there, but on Trent uh, Burger Royal, do you know where I'm talking about? Is that the one with the stromboli? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm gonna start working on that one too. Um, the and this is a really weird history. I don't know if you know this, but this guy who opened his name is Mike, who opened Burger Royal, claims he invented the stromboli. Oh, it claims uh, that he invented this sandwich hmm. here in Spokane. And when I went there. He also claims that he invented the blizzard, and Dairy Queen stole his <laughs> no. blizzard idea. Did he invent the internet as well? Yeah. That's what I want to yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you have one of those strombolis? I did. It's, yeah. That's a messy sandwich. It is a messy it's sandwich. It's delicious, yeah, yeah, yeah. but man, you yeah, you better not get that and think you're going to eat it in your car. No. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, oh, that's, that's okay. Sure. Burger Royal. Wow. Yeah. I had I, been out there just recently, but I didn't know that history. Yeah. That's really cool. And it's one of those places that uh, is kind of like Dick's in the fact that it's extremely seasonal. There's no inside seating or anything like that. So uh, if you go in there in the winter, I'm sure they you just have to take it to go. But uh, they're still in business. I talked to the owner, and he, you know. 
I try to talk to the owners of every single place that I do. You know, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, they don't exist anymore. Like Bulldog Tavern, you know. Right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. That's that's been a couple of things since it was the Bulldog. Yeah. Yeah. Neither Jeez. one of which has been very interesting to me. Do you do other <laughs> kinds oh, I of, have said that. Yeah, other <laughs> kinds of like research, you know, like, you know, Google and see what the history of, you know, dicks are, you know, kind of get a historical context. I try to. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it works, you know. Uh, sometimes there's not a whole lot of information out there, you know. Yeah. Um, but in in again, it's uh, I'm not trying to convey tons of information in that right. in that design, um, and and that you know that goes back to the learning process as well, you know. Right. What works, what doesn't. Well, we okay. uh, we're at 20 minutes after the hour, mm-hmm. so I'm going to play a uh, promo for uh, a good friend of mine, Jukebox Jenny. She does a show on Sundays called Working Woman's Blues, so uh, maybe you should take a listen to it. Well, that didn't work. It just disappeared right when I said it. So let's see if this one works. That one disappeared, too. So we're going to go straight over to (laughs) uh, the uh, promos and the PSAs with Mike. Okay. Well, let's help keep Art Hour coming to you every week for as little as $3 a month by texting GIVEKYRS to 44321. Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help... By again texting give KYRS to four four three two one. Okay, uh, Vitalin, a nonprofit. Uh, boy, my eyesight's gone and it's dark. Can you read that? <laughs> I'll error? take over. And yeah. I also figured out what was the problem with the promo. It was definitely not computer error, it was user error. User you error. have to turn that channel on in order for it to be on the radio. Did you know that, Mike? Uh, no. Yeah, so you see, I'm still learning. I'm learning every day. Uh, Vitalant. Uh, Actually, I gave blood last week uh, at Vitalant. It used to be the Spokane Blood Center. Now it's Vitalant. It looks like it's Vital Ant, (laughs) V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T. A A nonprofit offering convenient blood donation opportunities will be parking a blood donation bus in front of the community building right where we are here at 25 West Main Avenue on Thursday, June 27th, from 12.15 to 1.30. Come down and donate some blood. More information at Dana at community-building.org. Uh, do you donate blood, Mike? You know, I haven't. You know, last time I donated blood was at Lewis and Clark when I was there. Are you afraid of needles? Lewis. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. I'm Where's working on my fifth gallon. Are you? Yeah. Holy cow. I know. That's crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. I hate to say it, but there's a selfish part to it because I asked the lady one time, I said, um, how many calories does it take for a body to replenish the pint of blood that I'm getting? She said about 600 calories. And oh, I thought, really? oh, man, I'm going to give blood and I'm going to have the biggest meal I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so every time I give blood, I'm like, oh, where am I going to dinner, baby? And where am I going to dinner? Out. Uh, yeah. I know, I know. If only I could do it like three times a week, <laughs> I'd be golden. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I think I figured out the problem with the promo. So let me see if I can uh, get this working uh, I've got it all set up, and here we go. This is Jukebox Jenny and Working Woman's Blues. KYRS wants your brand new car. Wrong one, but that's okay. Well, not really. Yes, indeed. It's a great feeling to finally get another car after the old one's been breaking down over and over. It's another great feeling to get even more use out of an old car. Here's how. Donate it to KYRS. Car donors get a membership, a tax deduction, and the satisfaction of really helping out. 
Just call toll-free 855-KYRS-CAR. That's 855-597-7227. Hong Kong! We got the blues on. Sure ain't got to make a lose. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. I'm living for the weekend. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Woman's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. All right, finally we gave Jukebox Jenny her due. Yeah, well, that was pretty smooth, Eric. I couldn't read the, the, the font and the text and the dark and everything went just, just smoothly. They get what they pay for, Mike. <laughs> Community radio at its finest, right? <laughs> okay, so um, the next thing I read about is you've been doing some murals in town. I read about that um, on yes. uh, Spokesman, and your most recent one was at North Central? Yeah. Now, how did you get involved in that? Um, I don't really know. I, I mean... <laughs> Uh, the very first one I did was Audubon Elementary, um, and I had just, I did a print of Audubon, um, that neighborhood, and uh, the principal, and uh, I guess the staff kind of liked it, and they gravitated towards it, and it came up like, hey, we have to renovate the school, and it's like, we should hire this guy and paint this mural. And I was like, okay, sounds awesome. Sounds great. Let's had you ever it. painted a mural before? Never. So how'd you figure out how to do it? Yeah. I didn't tell him that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Good, smart. Oh, I was wow. like, yeah, no problem. You know, I'll take care of it. Uh, how? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, how'd you figure yeah. out how to do it? Uh, just a learning process. Uh, I I cheat, if, I, if, if I'm just being honest, just between you, me, and the walls here. Oh, I won't tell anybody. No. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we use a projector, so I take uh, it from my digital file and then project it, and it becomes a lot like screen printing in the fact oh. you do different colors, you do blocks of different colors, and then you finally put the layer, the final layer on top of it. So, how long did it take you to do Audubon? Uh, a week. Uh, well, two days, three days. Like so. a full-time week? Nah. Oh, okay. Nah. Off and Jeez. On. Now the one at North Central was pretty amazing. I think that's the one I, I'd seen. Uh, talk about that one a little bit. Yeah, um, it was the uh, senior all-nighter parents, and I think it was class of nine, uh, 96? No, no, no. Um, 2016, I want to say. And uh, they they wanted to leave the school something behind, and so they raised up enough money, and they're like, hey... We got this great space, and uh, it took a long process. It was it was honestly a year, two years, wow. um, and going through revisions, going through different designs and things like that. And they brought in uh, input from the kids, and uh, in the end, it turned out to be something that came from the kids of what they want, wanted to see, and it wasn't just me. It wasn't my design anymore. Which is probably kind Which of is rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome That's, yeah. that it becomes this very natural, organic thing, and everybody has input and what, what they want to see. So, Have you done other murals other than at schools? Um, well, I did a bar 
way up north. Um, happy trails to bruise. Um, <laughs> wow. I know it's a long name, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's up an Indian trail and I did my Indian trail design on their wall. Oh, cool. Um, I have Roosevelt elementary like sometime this year. Oh, so yeah. yeah, very cool. So it just, uh, it seems like there's one a year or so and yeah, I, it just, it's fun. It's awesome. Like, uh, especially when your kids are there, I, I have two boys, 13 and 11. And you have full run of the <laughs> the area, you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like bres- Breakfast Club, you know? It's like you right, know, right, you know. running down the halls yeah, and sliding yeah, around that yeah, corner. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Now, are either of your sons artists? Um, I mean, they like to draw and things like that. Um, my youngest, he has really um, been begging me for his first paint set. He's uh, really. Oh, wow. And so uh, I finally, you know, start them off slow and see if there's interest in it and things like that. So um, the oldest is really into magic, and he's he's very good. You know, he uh, when I was his age, I was into magic tricks, and uh, <laughs> and but he blew me away. You know, it's like uh, well, we see those kids dust, have you know? YouTube now. Yeah, that's so they happen. can go on YouTube and they have that that focus that we as older people for some reason don't have. So they can sit there for hours learning those tricks on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's true. It's like we had the library. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Like we went down there. We read the books. You know what I'm saying? But and no. and I keep asking people like when I asked you about how you learned to do the mural. I, f- I perfectly expected you to say YouTube because that's no. what everybody says these no, days, no, and no. I never think of that. You did it <laughs> old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You trial and error, man. Trial and error. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah. That's cool. Oh man, that's great. So, um, what do you got um, coming up? What um, in terms of just specifically bizarre? Do you have uh, any new prints that nobody's seen before? Um, yeah, I did this brand new print. Um, I think as an artist, you. S- always have to challenge yourself you know what i'm saying and uh keep up in the game and no one's gonna know it but uh, you you challenge yourself internally but i have this new print of the parkade and i've wanted for a long time to do every single color of uh, you know what i'm saying uh uh, of the levels of the parkade Uh. and uh and it was an eight-color process, and so uh, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, just to explain the process a little bit, I mean, you can't put it through an oven or anything like that. You just have to let it dry. So oh, right. every single color you do, it's you know, it's an hour to dry. So uh, that print, beginning to end, I would say you know, a week, you know, just to be able to do. But you still sell it for the exact same price as all the others, you know. Right. But, but, but they you, don't know the blood, sweat, and tears no. that went into that. No, one. no, yeah. no. So I'm really, really proud of that. I'm excited about that, um, and and I'm happy with the design as well. So, so how many how many of those do you print? I mean, I know parkade you might not print as many because it takes longer. But how many generally do you do of each print? Um, depends if it's. Uh, I I usually gauge. I I post the design on Instagram. And by the amount of likes, that usually tells me, like, a rough gauge of how Smart. popular it's going to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So before I put any ink on the paper, you know, if it gets, like, 20 likes, I'm like, oh, that's probably not good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to print 100 of them, you know. Right. 
But if there's, uh, like I did a Bigfoot one recently, and it's got fuzzy texture on it. and oh. uh, Now, how do you do that? You don't. You can't do that, can yeah, you? From screen yeah, yeah, How do you do it? It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> there's this little jar of stuff. I think it's made by Jacquard. It's called a puff additive, and you just mix it into your screen printing ink, and you can't tell. It disappears. And then you apply the color. Um, the brown was the last color I put on. And then you hit it with a heat gun, and, and, it, rises. and it just rises. Oh my gosh! Jeez. So every single print, um, you have to hit this with a heat gun. So you know it takes up your whole house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Jeez. And again, no one knows or cares. Right. It, you right. know, it's like it's just one of those things that you do. You know. So you said that that one you posted and that got a lot of that attention. got a lot of likes. So I was like, okay, you got to at least do a hundred of those. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So a big run for me is probably like. 120 is the max I usually do, and that'll last me. Like, well, Hanford, for example, um, I had glow in the dark on it, uh, <laughs> which, which is pretty cool. Like, it's a five color. That print. was your political one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so the glow in the dark is uh, their skeletons. It's a little family uh, portrait of. Uh, and it says we put the nuclear and family at the bottom oh of it. Oh my gosh, oh. I haven't and seen that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last layer, you can only see it once it's glowing in the dark. But they're all skeletons. They all turn skeletons. There's a little two-headed dog on there and everything. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's um, but awesome. I printed that back in uh, December, and I printed like more than a hundred of them. They're already gone. So I just <laughs> reprinted that for Bazaar um, this weekend. So. Okay, so Parkade's going to be new at Bazaar. Yeah. Hanford's going to be new at Bazaar. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I'm I'm always trying to do uh, new stuff and keep the supply going. So, yeah. Uh, Lake Pond Array, um, that's brand new. And, again, that one, I don't have a personal connection from it, but yeah. that just comes from enough people saying, hey, you need to do Lake Pond Array or do this lake, do this lake. Well, did I see you were doing a Loon Lake one? I did a Loon Lake one, too. Okay. Yep. Are you going to have those at Bazaar? Yep. Because my wife's family all grew up at Loon Lake, and I was looking for one a year or two ago, and I don't think you had it out yet. Is that right? Yeah. You did have it out no, there? No, 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 no. You're oh, correct. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because oh, wow. I was going to buy that for somebody uh, for a gift, and now I, I think I can do that. Now. There you go. So yeah. I think I'll be at Bazaar. <laughs> so I want to back up a little bit to an earlier conversation, because I'm always fascinated when I get people on here, because I've dabbled in music and stuff like that, but I've never, I mean, sold out the way you did. I, not sold out. I mean, just said. <laughs> said Both feet in. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. There you go. Yeah, so, right. what, so you did that four years ago, you said? Uh, yeah, 2015, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, obviously you use the term leap of faith. Uh, what was the biggest surprise about just quitting your job? I mean, and you, be- benefits? What do you mean? I uh, mean, did wh- you still have benefits from like... No, your, no, so you, not at all. So that is a massive leap of faith. No. So that, I mean, first of all, I admire anybody who does that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So kudos to you. But what was the biggest surprise about doing that? Or what were some of the bigger surprises about it? Um, <laughs> all of a sudden you have to learn like, uh, taxes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have to learn, learn the financial side of running a small business and, uh, kind of spur of the moment. But the biggest surprise going from my entire working career of like, you get up at this time and you clock in and things like that to just being able to do anything you want and I know that sounds awesome and fantastic, but it's also terrifying mm-hmm. a lot of the times because you wake up and you're like, okay, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? It's like 
So you have to uh, train yourself that, okay, you are your own boss. And here, and I just, I honestly started a whiteboard and I said, this is what you're going to be working on this week. And, and you clock in just, you know, same thing. You have the same work ethic. You just, uh, it's a little more flexible, I guess. Are you naturally an organized person like that? (laughs) Or did you have to train yourself to be that way? Define organized. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet like, you got a lot more organized, right? Yeah, I did. Like, you look around my house, and there's, like, little scraps of paper everywhere and stuff like that. That's kind of, like, if I get an idea, I'll sketch mm-hmm. it down. But, um, like, my list of freelance jobs, I have a lot of freelance stuff coming in, is just kind of on this little whiteboard thing that is right next to the computer. So. What kind of freelance stuff do you do? Um... A lot of it is, like, just for example, like, there's this little school up in uh, Green Bluff called Orchard Prairie mm-hmm. School. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, they're celebrating their 125th anniversary, some, uh, somewhere around there. So they want to hire me to do a print for them just to commemorate that. Uh, and right, right. So I get a lot of those type of requests. Uh, so it's related to your regular business yeah, pretty much. It's, it's awesome. Like someone will actually pay me to be able to print and do what you love. You know what I'm saying? It's like and and that's uh that's amazing. That's really cool. Has um diving in the deep end so to speak or I mean really cutting the safety net away made you more creative because now you you have to get it done basically, you know, and that that's a whole different kind of uh, pressure, but it could be creative pressure. It could be actually fuel for creativity versus we've had uh, several artists that are actually, they needed the day job so that they, they didn't have to worry about all of the like bills and things mm. to free up their mind to be creative. Which end of that did you fall in? I don't know. Can uh, I say both? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, it, it feels like a little, little of both columns, but uh, I, I used to really freak out and, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and in a sweat and thinking, man, how am I going to pay the bills? You know, I was like, I was like how is this going to keep functioning? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then uh, finally, it just I don't know. It went away. You know, I just uh, I just let it go. And all of a sudden, like 20 freelance jobs just see, keep rolling in, you know, and uh, all of a sudden there's a mural here. And, and then. Uh, the shows seem to be taking on a life of its own, and and if you, I don't, th- I think if you just give it away, you just let go of the fear, let go of the worry, and realize that a job's a job. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can get a job anywhere, mm-hmm. um, but you, again, like I said, you really only have one shot at a passion. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Of like going both feet in. Which is weird because you didn't know you had that passion until you did that first print, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so yeah. it took till. You know, fairly recently. What was? Did you say that was six, six years, years ago? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you you never printed anything, and then six years ago you did that thirteen Mount Spokane prints, and yes. then here you are. That is that's a I mean that's a cool story because a lot of people would I mean, both of my girls I think have passions, and I've never had I've been a dabbler, uh, so I just think that's cool that that uh, you know as as you've done that for a long time you just kind of find it you stumble upon it you really did didn't you you did and uh, again I always had a love for graphic design right um, and but I had never actually like made something with my hands uh, tactile you know it's like and actually go back to uh, producing and creating like that so uh, and once you did it the first time you just like. I'll tell you, like, the most magical part of the process, and I've never said this to anybody, is 
um, putting that last color on. Um, and I know it sounds like uh, maybe like an insidery, geeky thing, but like, for example, like Parkade, when you put that eighth color on and all of a sudden this thing, like, uh, you know, it's like Pinocchio coming to life. And uh, all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, it's done. And, and you created it, you know, it's like, there's a sense of pride there, but uh, putting that last color on all of a sudden it, it's magical. And, and it's, it's part of the, the best process, the best part of the process. Well, and, and there's a, been a big movement back toward tactile 3D, mm-hmm. working with your hands type stuff. Even there's a book I read a few years back called Shop Class as Soul Craft. And basically the guy was saying, if you want to get back to, you know, mm. really finding out who you are as a person, you got to work with your hands, mm. shop class. You know, yeah. so it's whether it's screen printing or his was working on motorcycles or whatever. So I do get that, the idea mm-hmm. of it's a thing. It's not on a screen. It's yeah. not ones and zeros. It's a thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when, when that pops, when it comes into focus, I totally get that. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah. a lot of the places at Bazaar, a lot of the uh, artisans at Bazaar, that's what they're doing as well, like right. getting back to it. I mean – uh, like John Devaney, right? Uh, mm-hmm. he, he like makes these things with his hands, you know, it's like these tactile things of uh, creating the lighters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, hopefully like this next generation coming up, like is able to break away from the screens and actually be able to go back to, um, creating things with their hands. And there's a sense of community as well. Like when you mm-hmm. go into this artisan community mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you can relate to these other artists like who are just doing it for the love just like you are you know sure and there's a sense too that with with prints with screen printing I mean, those aren't going to be the same. Everyone's a little different. Yeah. You know, you're off by a little bit. The ink's a little different. Yeah. It's a little bit, you know, there's maybe a little spot that didn't quite get enough ink. Yeah. And, you know, that's, but that's the, that's the cool part because we're looking at, we're saying the artist touched that, you know, instead of it just being printed off of a, of a printer. That's a good point. And, I will say this, there's a generational appreciation for what you just said, Um, because the older the generation is, and I'm not slamming them, it's just something they've come to expect, Um, they will look at it in perfection and say, like, I don't, uh, I want it half price. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and then the younger generation will say, like, that's really cool, give me that one. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's got a weird smudge or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So That's cool. That's a good sign. Yeah. Right. Yeah, to each his own. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you um, also have a, I've, I've heard, uh, like a background in ministry. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm wondering if you, um, uh, the sense of using your art form now to create this community and also this this connection, is there is it similar to also the, the communal aspect of, of, of a church or a, a ministry? You know, <laughs> I don't know how far down this road we can go, but <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was thinking just today, I was thinking like, um, how much of a creator God is, and you see like how uh, you see how He's inspired that in all of His creation. That we uh, as people, like you, see creators all around. Like even if it's just a mechanic working on a motorbike. He'll get extremely creative and really care about a certain detail or something like that. And I was just thinking, I, I you, that probably doesn't answer your question extremely. And speaking to the community aspect, but uh, 
I think people are going to gravitate and find community anywhere they go, whether it's w- within a church, whether it's uh, in an artist community. I think we just kind of naturally uh, group up like that. If that answers your question. Yeah, I just didn't know if you had some uh, other thing that fueled your passion or that you maybe was a surprise as you got into this and actually could do this full time, you know, which to me is is amazing to take that leap, leap of faith, you know, and then find out, oh, all of a sudden these things just keep happening. It's almost like, did you feel like you had a calling for this or that kind of stuff yeah well once i uh, like going back to waking up in night sweats you know what i'm saying <laughs> um and once i you know let it go and realize that hey god's got this and he's gonna take care of our family you know and and worst case scenario i go somewhere else you know um so uh being able to slowly learn that process and just um Faith becomes a part of your life as well as art. And they just, it's kind of like pedals on a bicycle. And it feels like that fuels your entire day. And your faith uh, works in conjunction with your art. And that that probably doesn't make any sense, but it's just, uh, it's kind of left and right brain and it makes makes the bike go. Well, going back to your community question, since you just kind of, I mean, you were working at the Inlander, you were at a computer all day probably, right? Yeah. And then you start doing this. My perception from music, from Bazaar, from Terrain, from all that other stuff, that Spokane seems to have a pretty supportive and cohesive art community. Is that what you found? Yeah, and uh, for the most part, everybody is... um, they are very extremely interested in building this thing from the ground up and being extremely supportive of each other. Um, I've never really met anybody in the art community who wants to critique or tear down, so to speak. Um, everything, like Luke and Ginger, um, from the get-go, believed in what I was doing. And I worked with Luke at the Inlander. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we we shared, we were like this far away from each other um, for years. And he saw that transition that I was making in my mm. life. And they were extremely supportive. You know, it's like, they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do Bizarre and, and get you in board and things like that. So, Yeah, I think that... That's something that I think has been universal with people we talk to. In generally speaking, is the the support of each other, which helps yeah. kind of build a kind of a synergy. That's also kind of motivating too. Uh, sharing their work, sharing their poetry, giving some of the things that they would write, you know, and sharing with other artists that they trust. I think uh, you know it's, it's created a great uh, climate. If you're even Extremely. if you're an emerging artist and Extremely. you uh, feel vulnerable out there, I think people feel like they can come forward and, and share. I think that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And every artist feels vulnerable, you yeah. know? It's oh. like, especially, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yes. like, I've been doing this for six years, <laughs> yeah. and every time you have a show going out there, or you post new work or anything like that, it's like, there's a huge level of vulnerability, you know, that you're exposing yourself, mm-hmm. and, and that's a part of your soul, you know? It's like, and you're, bare, and you're sharing it. But like you said, this community just really... Um, gets behind you and wants to support you and uh, throws a ton of love your way so do you um, have a, a set of artists or particular artists or 
things that sort of that you uh, resources you go to to stay inspired to get new ideas, um, whether it's colleagues here in Spokane, but or, or other places. Um, have you heard of a website called Dribble? Mm-hmm. No, uh, it's got three B's in it, not two. Um, Dribble.com. Um, you can you go on there and you post art and uh, whatever you're working on, and whoever you like, uh, whoever you gravitate towards, whatever style, you just follow those people, and all of a sudden, inspiration uh, it like it comes up and it just keeps coming and keeps coming. So. Um, so there's a lot of people worldwide that are currently posting like stuff that I really dig and get into and challenge and, uh, get challenged by, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And, and that kind of fuels the creativity, but you know, you also, uh, get inspired obviously by history as well. Like I, you know, I love going to antique stores, you know, and looking at all the matchbooks and things like that and the old postcards and things like that. Um, that's, uh, that's also inspiration for me is, is going back into history and seeing how they did it and things like that. So now I don't know about dribble. Do they do things like music and poetry and stuff like that too? Or is it all visual? Arts? It's all visual. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That would be cool though. That's yeah. Like, it would wow. be interesting. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, the, I, the, fin- the vintage kind of, um, I mean, for lack of maybe a better word seems to be, uh, you've you've found a way to bring that out, but in a in a modern or fresh way. I think in your design, yeah, it's, it's vintage looking, but it's but it's but it's new. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'll be honest, like a lot of it has to do with colors. Um, you know, obviously we cycle through colors um, as a culture, you know, and and whatever's trendy and popular at the moment. Um, so going back to a color palette that I had even six years ago, um, looks dated, um, or even going further back into the forties and fifties and things like that. So, um, just putting new colors into something, uh, it feels retro, but it still has a, a relevance, if that makes any sense, that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if that answers your question, like I, I still want to make it feel um, vintage, but it, it's a whole different level of vintage, and maybe that's maybe that's a bad word for it, um, because obviously vintage gets overused and it's a little cliche, cliche but um, just a simplistic design that is bold, like Andy Warhol's soup can. You know what I'm saying? It's like. That's bold, you know. It's like and simple and just elegant in the boldness and the cleanness of it, you know. You um, do any workshops or uh, have a desire? I know. I think you've helped. I know at Spark Central. I think you did a project with them. I did. Um, uh, and how did you like that? It was awesome, and the community seemed to like it most of all. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And again, this goes back to the vulnerability that an artist has. Like, I don't think I'm a big deal or a big shot or anything like that. So when they post this out there, it's like, hey, Chris Bovey is going to be hosting this free workshop. You think one person's going to show up. You right, know they're going to say, who? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like Ted and, you know, he's pulling a wagon behind him or something, you know. 
but uh, I mean, they it was packed. It was awesome. And and again, this goes back to that sense of community. It's like we just want to support you. You know, we just want to love what you're doing. And and it was awesome. It it was like three hours, and it flew by in a blink. You know, and everybody got to come, and kids and elderly people, and and everybody pulled their own prints. You know, their own goat print. Yeah, that's and, cool. Um. And if and they said they want to have me back, and I would love to be able to do something. I always get requests from teachers to come into their classroom and teach kids to be able to do this stuff, and I say yes every single time. Good that I get. Yeah, that's that. awesome. Um, and it's usually just one day during the class, and I talk about the screen printing process and the history of screen printing, and and then everybody gets to put hands to it and. And hopefully, you know, fall in love with it or at least realize, like, hey, there are other things out there other than screens, you know. It's mm-hmm. like going back to that tactile. Yeah, thing. you never know where the inspiration is going to come from. No. Yeah, it's cool. So now that you've got all the success, any uh, any ideas of uh, maybe reviving Lunches and Punches? <laughs> <laughs> Does that live out there somewhere? That's crazy. Still on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, I guess, man. I haven't thought of that thing in years. That's crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was awesome. That was fantastic. <laughs> Do you uh, know what lunches are? I don't. Is I, was, like? <laughs> I was hoping Maybe that I'll would have come you out. explain yeah. it. Um, and again, okay. <laughs> so I I had a desk again. Going back to uh, the Inlander, I had a desk like five feet away from Luke and uh, a buddy of ours, Nick Deshay, and we were all kind of clustered in um, that masonic temple building down on riverside and it was up in this back corner and there was this one day where uh we were told it was a pitch meeting and we were told to bring like a few pitches and i heard nick and luke talking and they were talking about something and they said lunches and i was like oh lunches and punches and i was just joking about it and it uh and it's slowly started devolving into this thing where it was a video series every single week that would help drive web traffic and we would pick a local meal from a different place and uh, we would have it destroyed in a different way every single time. (laughs) But you never saw what the original it was so dumb. It's (laughs) it's such a waste of time. Such a Waste of so many resources <laughs> looking back on it. Anyways, and so we would destroy, like, we we took this to Rick Welliver in, in Hilliard, and he punched this oh. sandwich once, or one oh, time we dropped great. it off of a building, and oh my gosh, it was crazy. At one time we took a Neato burrito and wrapped dynamite inside of the burrito. Actual and dynamite? It, it was a little piece of firework. It was like, oh, okay. yeah, it didn't do anything, oh, but... God. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was a laugh. Yeah, you got to blow off steam. That's why I get it. Uh, So you're going to be at Bazaar on Saturday. Yep. Uh, Do you got anything else coming? I mean, do you travel around with your truck to different festivals, or do you pretty much just stay right here in town? Uh, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty local. Where the furthest we're going is uh, Coeur d'Alene to Art on the Green. Mm -hmm. I've never Mm -hmm. done it before. Oh, cool. Are you going to um, take the same back road you took when you brought the home? <laughs> <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> that would be a trip down memory lane. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right where it all yeah. started. Yeah, yeah that's uh, funny. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. Well, good luck to you, Bazaar. Yeah, I was wondering also how can people get a hold of your or see your work or do you have a – if somebody is looking and interested in having you do commissioned work or anything like that, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, Probably through my website, uh, vintageprint, all one word, dot U.S. Ah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, First of all, like Eric, I'm an admirer of people who take that leap of faith, and I just think that's in itself is an amazing story. It's been great having you on today. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming in with us. Yeah, thanks, guys.